All views and opinions expressed in this podcast may lead to learning. All information provided is for educational and developmental purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for a growth mindset. Before taking action, please consult your motivation. This is the Teacher Talking Time Podcast. Have you seen the video of when Pharrell Williams does like a masterclass with NYU in their like media? Maggie Rogers was a student at NYU in their music production program. And she basically fused folk music with electronic dance music. And his feedback at the end is basically, I have no notes for you because you were authentic to yourself. And when you were authentic to yourself, you created something that I've never heard before that does not exist, at least in my world. And he loved it. I think artists do that very well. Mm -hmm. Artists do Mm -hmm. that really well. They're able to merge two different genres and create their own subgenre, which is exactly the same thing that you're doing with with teaching. I think people just over, I think we just overthink this. Like researchers, they have their own niche. You can't research everything, so they have to choose one or two things to research. <laughs> it's the same thing with teach. You can't teach everyone. You have to teach and choose a very specific group of people with very specific problems that you can actually help them solve. And as you say, Andrew, the problem is never linguistic. And I think we, we talked about this ages ago. It might not even have been in Coach Within Business. But um, it might have been coached within dating, actually. But there's someone out there in the world that's looking for someone just like you, right? And I think your business should be, that should be your mindset for your business as well, right? Like, mm-hmm. if there's if there's something that you know is important, that you feel um, people need help with, and you know that you can help them with it, then yeah. I feel that you could create that niche. Hey, everyone, this is Andrew, and thanks for listening to Teacher Talking Time. And if you're new to our work here at Learn Your English, I need to tell you about our 5 in 30 community. Pretty simply, 5 in 30 helps you get your first five teaching clients in 30 days, even if you have zero entrepreneurial experience. We surveyed all of you recently about the biggest challenges you have in starting and developing your own teaching businesses. And the vast majority of you said that it was finding and enrolling clients. So we wanted to help. And 5 and 30 might be a good fit for you if you've been thinking about starting your own teaching business for a while and just have been putting it off. Or maybe you've already started your business, but you don't have a clear niche. Or number three, you know, you maybe you have a clear niche and you want to add a new offer to your existing business. And if you followed our work for any time, you know that we like simple and 5 and 30 is very simple. Through the process, we help you, number one, identify the problem you solve. That's our take on niching down. Number two, create a solution to that problem. That's our process for helping you create your own course. And number three, enroll five or more students for that pilot course in just 30 days. And you'll get those five students without making a single post on social media. Does that sound like you? Are you a teacher who wants to gain momentum and consistency in your business, understand your niche, and gain five new clients in the next 30 days without making a single post on social media? If so, head over to our website and get started. You can go to learnyourenglish.net slash 5in30 and get started right there. That's learnyourenglish.net slash 5in30. The link is also below in the show notes. We hope to see you on the inside if you feel this is a good fit for you. And now, let's get back to the show. End of the year, guys. It's December. Reading list. What's on uh, What's on your reading list right now? Oh. Oh, wow. I have this one here, which I read once a day. It's called Excellent Advice for the Living. It's a guy writing about okay. wisdom he wishes he'd know earlier. Um, I also have, what else am I reading here? I'm rereading Listening in the Language Classroom by John Field. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you don't have the audiobook for that, do you? No, I don't have an audiobook for a listening. A book on listening would be great, right? <laughs> um, I have a few more. I'm taking a few books with me on vacation. Not, not the books, just me. Um, but I'm hoping to, I'm trying to read more. I feel like I lost a little bit of my reading habit, but yeah. What about you? Mike? 
Oh, sure. Now, I, I, uh, I wrote this down. It was just out of the paper in front of me. But what was the book that you were telling me about last time you and I chatted? How to Think Like a Roman Emperor by, to think. by Don, Donald Robertson. How to Think Like a Roman Emperor. I think it's a great book. Leo was telling me about this book, and it sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that kind of, you know, we might talk about this, Leo, but it kind of, we were talking a little bit about um, having, a, what was it? We're looking for a, a, a new self-identity or just trying yeah. to figure out who we are. And Leo recommended that book for really kind of some introspection there. But actually for me, guys, I, uh, I, I and I was telling Leo this in private, I, I've gotten back into Japanese and I'm, I'm mm. trying to work myself up to uh, what is called N3 kanji. So I'm trying to, Go back in and learn uh, the 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 Japanese the Chinese characters that are used in Japanese and really trying to just do more reading because I've been finding out that it's really hard to learn a language like Japanese unless you really have a good basis of vocabulary to begin with and I feel like that's been my struggle so that's what I'm going to be dedicating my time to doing yeah nice nice I like that that's really good. I'm reading, I always read two books, at, well not always, but usually read two books at the same time, one fiction and one nonfiction. So I'm still reading uh, Company of One mm-hmm. by Paul Jarvis. Leo, I think you've read that as well. Really, really like it. I have to read that uh, book again. I read oh. it a lot, like a few years ago and I, yeah. I he's been talking about, so many good things. He's been talking about this one forever, folks. So yeah, it's one, <laughs> that's, it's one that's on my list as well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to take my, t- it's more reflecting on the ideas in the book for sure. And then I'm reading a book by a friend, actually. A friend of mine is an author and a book called This Rock of Death, which is actually quite good. I'm enjoying it a lot. I think Lord of, of the Flies meets Lost, oh. I guess. Okay. Uh, I didn't group like of Lost, friends, so... <laughs> group of friends take... I guess this is a real thing in real life. Like, you can take a vacation where they, like, drop you on a deserted island. You have to, like, figure it out for, like, five days. It's like, I guess, Survivor yeah. and Lord of the Flies. And then things go wrong. and. Uh, it's it's good. Don't, it's very good. Don't try yeah. to sell a book comparing it to Lost. That movie was <laughs> okay. that show. It was sorry, a, Adam. Was a was a waste of uh, waste of time for a lot of people watching that. <laughs> Lots of time lost. The first yeah, yeah, yeah. first two <laughs> first two lost seasons time. were good. I first two seasons yes. were good. Yeah, but first after two lost good. time. That's the extended yeah. title. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Lord of the Flies Survivor maybe is a better okay. a better comparison. I think it's interesting too. Every time we put a book recommendation. Usually people go and, and try and check it out, try and buy it. I'm not saying you guys should do that. If you're listening, you should do that. But another book that I know we all kind of get to sometimes, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. Mm. Oh. I don't know if you've read it. <laughs> <laughs> they released their word of the year this morning, oh. actually. Okay. And without Googling it. Okay. Do you have a guess of what it is? There are 500,000 words in the dictionary, apparently. So you have a one in 500,000 chance of guessing it. I think I have an idea. Okay. Because I remember, I remember reading something about the word of the year. And it's kind of related to something that we're going to talk about today. So I don't want to reveal that. Oh, but wow. I think I have an idea. I haven't seen the word, but I think I have an idea. Okay. I think each dictionary has their own, yeah. like chooses their own. Right? I so I think Mike Longman a was a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Mike, sure. you have to, the hint is be true to yourself. Yes. Oh, wow. It's an adjective. Accountability? Accountable? No. No. Very close. Another A word. You're Not close. A word, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that well, one. Well, the only other A word I know I can't <laughs> say on this without insulting someone. So, uh, yeah. What is it? Yeah, yeah. Curious now. It is authentic. Ah, ah, the other good authentic. word. Yes. And if you're listening, you know, happy holidays, but I don't think this is a big secret that we record these ahead of time. So it's now the end of November mm-hmm. as we're sitting down and, and recording this. And yeah, today, this morning, apparently, Merriam-Webster released their word of the year and it is authentic for the year 2023. Uh, and they made a point of saying that they did... They didn't use AI to help them choose their word of the year. Right. So it was an authentic choice. Which I uh. think, I think to a certain extent, it reflects the kind of identity crisis that a lot of us are having, myself included, 
um, this crisis of authenticity. Um, and I think we see a lot of that in social media as well with, um, you know, a lot of people running their teaching business or teachers who are thinking about starting their own teaching business. I think everyone is trying to figure out a way to be more authentic, to be more like themselves on social media, to speak more um, authentically. And I don't know if Mike and you are going to agree with me, Andrew, but I think the word authentic is also the word of the year because of issues of trust. I remember reading something somewhere that we can't really, we don't trust, we don't trust what we see anymore. Like if a student wrote a, a paper, can we trust whether a student wrote this paper? Can we mm -hmm. trust whether a politician made this statement? So a lot of these things I think are affecting our choice of word for the year of word of the year in this case, I should say. I don't know how they choose it, like what criteria they use or if there is any criteria, but that's very interesting. And I just, at the end of the article here, I don't know if you guys remember, or even we talked about this last year, but their word of the year for 2022 last year was gaslighting. Gaslighting, yeah. Okay. okay. So it's kind of the opposite. It's a male word. Yeah. Men do that a lot, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But I remember hearing that a lot last year. Authentic doesn't, I think you're right, Leo. I must have like contextualized within this theme of AI, mm -hmm. perhaps. Yeah. yeah. And social media. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how, I know we wanted to talk about us and not in a <laughs> narcissistic way. I think a lot of people have been asking, if you're listening, you've been asking us to kind of share more of our story. And we've been doing this for what, five or six years? Is it six years? Five years? The podcast? The podcast? 2018? Podcast 2019, January. January 2019. It was, it was in the new year, was it? Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 The okay. Company, so about five years. The company, I think we started in. That was 2018. 2018. Yeah. That was 2018. Okay. Yeah. And anytime, speak about authentic. Like anytime I think, how did you how did you start this company what was your your first yeah, product and yeah. and i think that kind of is just like well maybe we should take a podcast and just kind of reflect and try to remember ourselves honestly because i don't think we don't share trying to hide anything i just don't think we remember <laughs> at least i don't remember everything mm -hmm. from 2018 2019 mm -hmm. i actually do, do you guys? i remember a lot of things i remember when you guys first told me that you were interested in, in, in a joint venture. And then I remember, I don't know if you remember this, Andrew, but I remember saying to you first gun pointed to your head. You have six months to make a decision in your life. What would you do? And then you said, I would quit this job that I currently have at this current <laughs> university to just work for myself. Did I say that? You did say that. Okay. Mike hesitated at first, but then we nudged him in the right direction. And then eventually he joined us. I, I can't remember what I said. You don't remember no, that, no, eh? I remember. I, I, I don't remember. remember. I don't. I remember the conversation. I don't remember uh, what I said exactly, but I, I do remember feeling energized. Yeah. And from yeah. the very beginning. Yeah. 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 And, and being excited about going out and trying something different. And mm -hmm. more importantly, going out and trying something different. Uh, different that I was really passionate about because I think we were both teaching we were having a lot we were having we, we, we saw it as a job but we didn't really see it as a rewarding venture and I think that this mm -hmm. entity at the time we didn't even have we had a name we kind of had a name because Leo had a business but 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 um we didn't really know what it was going to be right away we just knew yeah. it was going to be something that made teaching a little bit more enjoyable for our peers a little more authentic your, let's use a little bit more authentic yeah 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 I like this because this is the LYE puzzle, I guess. I think we all remember different aspects of it. And then it's like, oh, yeah. And then together we can piece the puzzle together. Because right. I remember Leo's original idea. I don't know, Leo, maybe you don't remember mm -hmm. this. Was to create our own kind of teaching organization similar to ones that exist already mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. teachers simply just that live in Toronto, yes. I think. Maybe the yes. province that would focus on methods approaches actual methodology teaching. and yeah. that was mm, yeah. the the idea originally yeah. right well that's our grassroots thing that's where it all started right yeah it was teachers 
um, helping teachers mm -hmm. and with bottom-up grammar, right? Bottom-up teaching, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was more of a, I was even talking about this on, on, on Instagram today, but um, we're doing a, a week of dogme on Instagram, but it's very much, we were trying to go back to what you said, Mike, a more, I think the word was more, we wanted teachers to be better. We wanted teachers to have the chops. We wanted them to be able to develop this agility, to be able to think on their feet, yeah, that's to, to, to yeah. think, to uh, like not worry so much about teaching right. the lesson, but learning how to react to all the learning opportunities that, that occur within a lesson. And then kind of like a lot of our materials, a lot of our ideas, I feel like they were naturally emerging from, from these conversations. And I remember us observing each other's lessons, I remember us designing lessons that were somewhat interconnected and then talking about what worked and what didn't work well in our classes. And then kind of like from there, we're like, oh, this could become a workshop. We could do a session on this. We could help teachers do more of that. That's kind of like how I saw it happening at the time. Yeah, because I think one of the first workshops we ever did together was at the bookstore. And we did, was it English Central? Is that what? Yeah, but, but, I, that's I, right. but I remember the theme was language awareness, right? And it was yes. this whole idea of uh, around the chops, right? And, mm. and knowing more about the language so that you mm. could do more with the language or help your students mm -hmm. do more with the language in the moment, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's interesting to re remember because if you're listening to this and all the years that we work with now in that, you know, niching down process or, or whatever we want to call oh. it, it's, it's a very... Maybe it's not polarizing, but it's. I think a lot of people think of it as like you go shopping and you choose one mm -hmm. off the shelf and you you bring down your can of niche, you know, and then you you buy it and you've got it. Do you remember how we went through this? Because you what all you're describing is now I'm remembering everything. Yeah, but I want to say we did not have a niche. No, we probably didn't even know what niching was. No. Definitely and not. as you're describing that, that was our passion. And that was kind of our hobby, I, I'm saying. But I, I don't think we really had an idea for what a business would be. I think we had a niche. I think our niche was a very specific group of people. And in this case, the, the, the group of people were teachers, teachers of English. So in a way, we had a niche. We didn't know. We knew that we also knew that there was a problem at the time. We just didn't know if these people wanted that problem to be solved. Correct. But we had a very clear audience. We had very clear ideas on how we could. So because I remember that the problem that we found was mostly related to English for academic purposes, which was at the time when we were teaching it and we were deeply enmeshed into that whole EAP scenario. What I remember is that we thought, that a lot of the techniques, a lot of the materials, a lot of the methodology that was being employed in these EAP programs was drinking too much from the was drinking from the fountains of uh, of general English. It was too much like general English with academic vocabulary, but it wasn't really teaching students to to process language at a much deeper level. And I think that's kind of what we were. That's where we're going after. Some, but somehow. the problem with that was that the niche that we were speaking to didn't have a deep enough reason to solve that problem. Exactly. Right. Because right. that problem is more institutional. It's not necessarily of the individual teacher, That's right? True. So it's interesting to reflect on our journey through this yeah. and realizing mm -hmm. what was resonating and yeah. what wasn't resonating. And I would add that I think a kind of sub-tier, sub-niche that we had was not just what Leo just described, but also teachers who who really just wanted a sense of community right mm -hmm. they wanted something beyond the 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 biannual conference right they yeah. wanted a real group of peers yes. like-minded peers a proper community of practice if you will right where they could just chew the fat talk a little bit about their teaching because when we get together teachers often, often rarely talk about teaching they talk about their shifts their, their schedules and all these other things that go on with life and the life of being a teacher and I think that they really just wanted a, a community. And in fact, I think we actually put a lot of time into thinking about what should we bring for snacks, 
Right? What can we do? Like, oh my god! <laughs> right? Like, what can we do to make people feel warm? We went to Seven Eleven. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was a community, Leo, as well. On top of yeah. that, I feel that yeah. that was a kind of sub niche. People who wanted to teach, learn more about their chops, so to speak, but also be around other like-minded teachers who felt the same. Yeah. But but Andrew is right. I don't think we we knew who we helped. We knew what we offered. We. We didn't know how to find those people very well, I think, because we didn't have very good attendance for our sessions, but which I think was part of our first offer. Our first offer was in-person professional yeah. development. I mean, before COVID, that's all we did. We yeah. didn't even do anything online yeah. before. Evenings. Before COVID. Evenings. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Evenings at... LSI. LSI. At... Yeah. Hi, James, if you're listening. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we we... I think we all had business hats on in terms of lots of things, but we didn't actually have a product that no, no. maybe reflected that. But we had like the no overhead philosophy for sure. We didn't yes. want to spend anything. So we partnered, if you're listening, we partnered with a local school that allowed us to use their space for mm -hmm. free in return of we could allow some of their teachers to attend the sessions for free. So that was a nice little arrangement to yeah. kind of get moving <laughs> and get started with that. Yeah. Um, not... You know, evenings, what, Wednesday nights or something? Wednesday yeah, evenings, was... once a month, twice a month, something like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we started off with, with, with once a month and it might, I think it grew to twice a month. But Andrew, just to, just to touch on one more thing there. Um, what we did is exactly what we, we practice, what we preach in our, um, in our programs. And that is we reached out. We, we, con we went through our contact list and we thought, exactly. who has access to classrooms? Who has access to teachers and, <laughs> and, and potential PD funds? And we called those people and we emailed them and we, we just went through our contacts and um, could we have done it on social media and got people? Maybe, but we went the most direct route and yeah. it ended up paying dividends because we not only found a place to hold them, but when, when we were there in the school, the, the teachers from that school were joining yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and they were telling their peers teaching at other schools. So uh, yeah, you got to start. And oftentimes your, your warmest leads are your best places to start. Yeah. yeah no for sure and i i know sure. i know we charged for those things didn't we do you remember we use like eventbrite because i didn't know how to build a website That's i didn't right. know yeah, how to do any of these eventbrite. things like yeah. eventbrite and i remember walking someone through in the session like on their phone like you have to click here and you have to oh, do yeah, this like it was a mess it was absolutely a disaster but that's it's messy in the beginning. Like if you're yeah. starting a business, this is kind of what it looks like, right? Yeah. It's messy is messy is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember, I remember vivid oh no, sorry. Do you yeah, remember how much we charge for those sessions? I am actually I'm drawing a blank. I, don't know. I have no like idea. Eight bucks. Or yeah, something. it was no. something like that. Really? Was, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. wasn't more than ten. Definitely not more than ten. Yeah. Wow. That is that is as Jeff Jordan would describe, <laughs> that's theft. Theft. <laughs> we uh we just wanted to cover the the snacks at 7-Eleven, like right. Andrew said. Yeah, yeah. yeah basically, we were building we were building a mailing list. We were building a, a community. Right. So that was the. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And how? <laughs> I don't think we ever Speak had like full houses, have we? No. 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 I mean, we had some that were that were good. But I've ever like we had some that were just like two people. Like mm. the th we the three of us were more than the, <laughs> the people that attended. The one we did on task-based language teaching, I know, was well attended. Remember, Leo, with the folding yes. activity? Yeah. That yep. one was well attended. And then the other one when we, we finally invested in some t-shirts, folks. And uh, yeah. we actually had a really good group that night. I forget what the presentation topic was. But uh, that one, we yeah, we, we brought about 20 t-shirts or something and like I that. Remember and I remember I was going We gave to them schools, away. People were wearing yeah. them. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I remember I was going to schools, going to colleges, universities, and doing some sessions. I remember, Andrew, you traveled yeah. all the way to London for oh, a conference. Right. Do you, you remember did. that? Yeah, yeah. Hamilton. Hamilton. No, I don't think it was Hamilton. And Peterborough. I think it was London and then Peterborough. We we went to okay. present at two conferences. Okay. We didn't make a lot of money. Barely covered the, the no. gas. The gas, yeah. No. <laughs> but that's how you start. It's like those bears I, in, the, in the 90s. Maybe this is only interesting to the three of us, but I remember too. Speaking about like technology and things and people ask us now, do I need a website to start a business? Do I need this? We went to one event here and we didn't have a website. I don't think we didn't have a mailing list. We didn't have, I remember having a piece of paper on the desk and people would write down their email mm -hmm. with a pencil mm -hmm. on the, on the piece of paper. And then we would add it like to an Excel sheet. We're very technologically advanced. Yeah. <laughs> very tech. You know what I also remember? We had our laptop with the logo just bouncing off the walls of the laptop. <laughs> the screensaver. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was at a Tesla Toronto event. 
it was underground in like in a library some or something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what that place was, but a lot I of our nice that. pictures are were taken. Pretty much all of our pictures were taken that day, twenty nineteen. <laughs> the only nice picture because yeah. the only this, those are the only because after that Mike left. Yeah, and then the yeah, company yeah, was mostly yeah. online. So, yeah. And yeah, I remember right. very. And speaking yeah. of our offer of our products, I mean, professional development evenings in, is not like a no a really specific offer, but that was our first offer. And I remember, Mike, I remember tell, saying this to you in the staff room and the reaction that we got from a lot of people when we would tell them about what we were doing. And they, I vividly, they would always say, oh, that sounds great. I'm sure teachers will love that. <laughs> right, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember the three of us sitting down and at first, I guess we were excited because it was our ego. Like, oh, well, people like it. But then we thought like, wait a minute. Why aren't they saying I would love that? Yeah. Why are they saying teachers would love that? What so there we weren't really we didn't have the niche figured out. We weren't yeah. really speaking directly to the practicing teacher, the ideal client, right? Mm-hmm. So long story longer, I guess the story is we didn't have our niche figured out. It took no. us a long time. And even today, if we're being really authentic with this conversation, we're still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And that's the process. So if you're thinking about it as a finite thing where you just, you finish it and yeah. you have it, at least in our experience, it doesn't work like that. No, I agree. I think just like everything else, just like every, with everything else in life, I think any sort of result that you're expecting has to come from some sort of action. And I think our, our evolution as a company, as a business came with practice and practice is nothing more than the process of repeated action. So we, we, we kind of have very clear, um, I would say guiding principles that we started to implement in, into our everyday lives, into the business. And I know that every year or every day we get one step closer to this final vision, but if you ask me, I don't think this final vision will ever come because business that have a final vision, they end up like companies like BlackBerry, Kodak, who just didn't want to adapt. And I think that we did a very good job in terms of adapting to the times, adapting to circumstances, to difficulties, to changes in the market. When we started, as you said, Andrew, we were doing professional development for teachers. Very, very, very wide audience of teachers who didn't have a very clear problem but eventually we switched to a community i think that was in 2020 we had a community online mm-hmm. and eventually like we want to do something different so as you said it has been a very i i would say if we're being authentic here and that's the theme of of our of our conversation today if i'm being authentic i think we're still figuring this out and we will continue to oh, figure yeah. this out as we, as we, as we move forward. I don't think we have a clear, definite answer, but we're constantly trying to learn. And I think what what makes me really proud of of being part of this is that we're constantly working, we're constantly repeating actions, trying different things, and 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 figuring out different ways of helping helping teachers out there. And the one consistency has been the podcast. Interesting enough, right? Yeah. True. Yeah. A lot of our podcast friends have um, kind of given up. I guess we're the. It's hard. It is hard. Even mm. for us sometimes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you appreciate it when you're on the other side of it. It's easy just to click play on Spotify when something shows up, but you know, definitely appreciate the effort of five years, man. Five years. Five years. Every month we do this. We sit down and do this. Right. I mean, yeah. we've, we yeah. we were doing it more than once a month. We were doing like two to three times a month, but then we realized that's that that's much. not sustainable. And I think that's another very important lesson for teachers out there is you have to you have to know yourself and understand what is sustainable for you in the long run. And I think we can talk about that because I definitely adopted some unsustainable practices in this business that led me to where I was a few days, a few weeks ago. I was just going to ask <laughs> in in this kind of reflecting of the last five years, would you change anything? No, I wouldn't. I know that's a typical answer because the philosophy of the things that you've gone through bring who you are, but like, actually. One thing, one thing. Okay. I would have made better use (laughs) of social media. 
<laughs> I would have taken more but, breaks from social media. I think that's social media is very is very toxic. I think social media it really it consumes you. And I think I became a little bit over consumed with social media to the point where I just I started getting sick. So I would change that. I would change my relationship with with uh with social media. How about I you think- guys? I think shiny objects, you know, we sometimes talk about that, Andrew. I think that we, we definitely pursued some shiny objects in during this period where, and for, for those of you that are curious, so shiny objects here would be like um, little side projects that, that really distracted us from our main goal, which was actually creating something that spoke to uh, a group of teachers who were passionate about improving professionally, but also ones who wanted to to kind of branch off and, and explore um, business possibilities as well and we 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 there were moments in our evolution where we we saw something as being perhaps really really interesting and uh and it distracted us from our main goal and perhaps maybe set us back a a few months so uh it's really important i think the lesson there is is like leo said maybe less is more right even from a project point of view find something that you really love um Focus on that and and see it through. And then once you've seen it through, uh, improve on it. Don't jump on to the next thing. Just keep building that that current project that you have. And I feel we're doing a much better job of that now. But it took us a while to learn to learn that lesson. And I have to say that we've also have said no to things recently, right? Like we've been approached by other people to do different things and and to do other development work and whatnot. But we've said no because we really wanted to focus on this greater vision that we have, right? This ever expanding idea of, of as Leo said, of, of our niche and, and who it is that we serve and how we do it. Nice. Mine, I guess, is, is very similar. Um, you said that we got distracted by shiny objects and not the goal. I think at times we maybe didn't have a goal Fair or enough. as clear a goal yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. as what we wanted it to be. And there's a lot of like cliche phrases in business, right? But one of them that I actually like is the reason most people fail at a business is because they can't do the one thing every day again and again and again. And they get distracted by other things or new things or shiny objects. And what that means, and I think this is one thing that I would change, is just what is identifying what is that one thing, you know, that business driving thing, not the vanity metrics of like, I need more followers, like, you might, you might not, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of accounts that have tons of followers and make no money yeah. <laughs> and other accounts <laughs> who have almost no followers and make lots of money. So what's, what's the difference? You know, I started listening to the diary of the CEO recently uh, on YouTube, that great, great podcast. And there's one guest that they had on, I forget her name off the top of my head, but she was talking about how hard work doesn't build wealth. Which I thought was a really interesting. That hard work doesn't build wealth. No. That you don't get rewarded automatically just because you're working hard. And if you have a business, don't work hard just to feel good about it. Work hard in the areas that actually drive the business forward. Right. And I think authenticity. I think at times we got off track and we got Mm -hmm. into two or three podcast episodes a month for an as an example, when that wasn't the one thing. Per, yeah. per se that would drive the business drive forward the, drive right? the business exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so based on that what is the one thing that you have been doing consistently ever since this business took shape prospecting i think that's the one thing is is at least what these people talk about is not it doesn't have to be the same thing for everybody, but it's identifying in your process, experimenting what brings the business revenue, number one, mm-hmm. and number two, what allows you to help the, your clients reach their goals successfully, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Those are the two mm-hmm. kind of most important things. So what's an action that continuously brings new clients and what's an action that continuously brings results for the people who decide to work with you? So for us, I think in the last year maybe we've really honed in on a process that allows us to get new clients pretty consistently and we know the system we know how it works and we can just focus on 
you know, 30 minutes a day honing that process and doing it and knowing, being pretty, pretty confident in that it will result in the thing that we, we want it to, as opposed to guessing or doing a bunch of other things. For myself, I've been posting a lot less on LinkedIn recently because I realized that I don't need to. Mm. We're getting clients without it. And the whole point for me of posting on LinkedIn is to, for us to, to bring clients over. And so I don't need to post there every day because I'm noticing a result that's happening through our process mm-hmm. elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so I've been able to kind of eliminate a lot of that and, you know, kind of the busy work. And Cody Sanchez is, is her name. Um, yes. She's called The Money Experts. And <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a clickbait title to the episode to get people to watch, right? Obviously, you have to work to, to build wealth. But what she's really getting at is like that's that busy work. Just like it's not a job where you get paid by the hour. It's a results-based thing if you have your own business, if you make your own money. And just because you put in time doesn't mean you deserve to get paid. And on the other side, you could make money and not do a lot of work as well. It's, it's, it's a results-based. So what's the one thing that you can do each day mm-hmm. to bring the result that you want, which implies you have to know what results you want first. Yeah, I would say for for me, it's the other side of the coin, Andrew. So if prospecting's one side, it would say fulfillment's the other, right? And just really holding myself accountable to make sure I'm in both communities, our free community and our teacher accelerator program community, and and connecting either through direct messages or through the larger discussion boards, through short videos, just adding value whenever possible and maximizing that customer experience. Because for us, that that's exactly it. And for for our listeners, if you're out there with clients of your own, it's, it's, it's all about keeping them as satisfied as possible. And, and, and if they're not customers yet, there might be a great possibility that they will be in the future. But the only way to really ensure that is to, to curate it. Right. And I feel that, uh, that we as a company, I feel have done a a much better job really putting a capital C on the, on, on community and, and making people feel that we are engaged with them in the, in their processes. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, yeah, prospecting is one side. I would, I would certainly say fulfillment's the other. Could we do better? Pro- yeah. Yeah. I think so. But, but, mm-hmm. but, but I think we're, as you said, but the systems, we now know what the system is, right? Yeah. And, and if you're curious, the system is early and often, everyone, you should be early and often out there with your clients, um, helping them with their needs and their goals and and making them feel that they belong and uh, keeping them motivated and i feel that we've we've really tried to to do that and i think we've stepped it up a lot this year yeah fulfillment is a good word i like that one too fulfillment i think that's fun. those are the two good words fun. oh good one and, yeah yeah and that's where i i think we've really improved over time i didn't know the word fulfillment before we started building courses and i think that's one area for teachers that can really improve on how their businesses run is how they fulfill those goals and i know a lot of people want to teach one-to-one and love teaching one-to-one and they and you should if you if you do it but that's the fulfillment right it's it's there's two separate things one is the promise of like if someone works with you what is the result going to be what is the transformation going to be and then how it's fulfilled and if you think about your fulfillment if you're out there and you're thinking i want to have more time to myself i want to teach less i want to do this i want to do this think about how you deliver that result how because there's many many ways of doing it and in a lot of cases I, I think a lot of students or clients love the idea of a one-to-one interaction mm-hmm. but in reality when they have other obligations and other things and families and kids it might not actually be the most suitable mm-hmm. for their lifestyle and there's a lot of ways to to help them achieve a transformation without just that model so it's an add-on or you know it can really really be creative in how you fulfill that solution to to the problem that you solve. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teacher Talking Time podcast. And if you are also new to our Learn Your English community, I have to tell you more about our new Teacher Accelerator program which is our online program for teachers all around the world who want to eliminate lesson planning, reach and help more students, teach less, earn more money without, of course, sacrificing work-life balance. 
Our programs help teachers reflect and develop in the most important skills they need to succeed in the information age. And it's just like your teaching isn't for everyone. Our program isn't for everyone. It's for someone. The program has four pillars of successful design. We have a community. We have live sessions. We have self-paced learning. And more importantly, we have lots, lots of feedback. Does this sound like you? Are you a teacher who wants to implement dogme and task-based learning in your teaching? Do you want to eliminate lesson planning? Do you want to help more students, but also work less? Do you want to transition from selling your time, teaching one-to-one, -to, -one, to actually focusing on outcomes and selling results? Do you want to be a business owner and not an employee? And more importantly, do you want to build and scale your teaching business? If this sounds like you, then you have a great opportunity here. Just head over to our website, learnyourenglish.net slash schedule and book a meeting with us. We would love to have a conversation about your current situation and whether we can help you with any of these things. Hey guys, I'm Sophia Shanahan from Venezuela, living in Canada, and you're listening to Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast. And Leo, you mentioned fun, and I think that's the other F word, right? Yeah. yeah. What's, well, what's just fun? Your... I think it's, yeah, yeah, for yeah. me, it's just, I think that's why I started getting sick. I wasn't having fun. I think the moment I started noticing where things felt more like an obligation and I had to do them and I lost that element of fun, that's when things started kind of going south for me. And my mental health started going down the drain. I started feeling inauthentic in a way. Um, so yeah, I think for me, when I think about what we do, I'm always reminding myself, like, whoever has the most fun wins. And every time I post, every time we, we do a session or we record a podcast, I'm always thinking about, like, I just want to have fun doing this because this I don't want this to feel like a job. I never wanted this to feel like a job. I wanted to feel like this a hobby that allows us to make some money. Mm. That's kind of how I see this. And I think this year, the, the, the line got a little bit blurry for me. And at times it felt like a job. And I think that's when my mental health started going down the drain because I wasn't having fun. So yeah. So fun, fun is yeah. important. You have to enjoy. It's what very important. Doing. Yeah. Those things go together for me as well. Like doing the one thing every day, having clear goals, having a clear, we talked to a lot of teachers who don't know what the goals are, right? Mm -hmm. Who don't know how much money they want to make or what they want to help people with or how many clients they would want to work with at a certain time. And for me, that's where my anxiety really kicks in is when I don't have those things defined. Cause you always feel like you should be doing more or I, I do sometimes or need more of this or less of this. But if you really like quantify it, and just sit down and be like, okay, well, to make this much money, I need this many clients. And I can do that by fulfilling my thing this way. And it, for me, it adds a lot of clarity. So if you're listening and you have, you're feeling like that, I think just sitting down, reflecting over the holidays, if you're listening to this during the holidays, and just, I have a really simple activity that I, that we use in tap and just say like, you know, how much money per month would you want to earn from your business either now or eventually? How many, if you're fulfilling it, you know, by working with people in live classes, there would be a maximum of people that you would be, you know, logically be allowed to, or able to help at a time. What's that number comfortably for you? And just divide those two numbers by each other. And you probably have your ideal client capacity with your ideal revenue. And then you can start working towards a plan of, of getting there. But for me, that adds a lot of clarity to to my strategy or to our strategy because that gives me actual numbers to work with. If I don't have that, I get very anxious. You're right. You have to quantify it. That's a great point. Yeah. And then from there, you can start to plug in, like, as you said, how do I get to that number? Right. Is it charging more? Is it offering different types of programs? Like what is it? But once you have and that where to number, find the people. and where to find them. Yeah, sure. One place, you know, I think that's, that's the one thing is not spreading yourself over every platform. 
I can't imagine. I see people do that and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm sure it works, but what, like having just a little bit of one thing at a time, you know? Do you remember the first course that we designed? I think it was Grammar for Teachers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We talk a lot now about shipping and I think we can say this because our, in our experience, we did not <laughs> very, very much at the beginning. I think that course took us at least a year more to kind of to get out there. It started when I was in Toronto, and I'm pretty sure it, it kept going through 2019. <laughs> so that would have been, folks, 20, 2018 through 2019, maybe out early, late 2019, early 2020. Yeah. Okay. I remember kind of having a high five when we actually got it up and released it, but I'm pretty sure nobody bought it when we released it because we didn't have an audience and we, nobody knew about it, but it was an accomplishment for us. But I remember it, it took a very, very long time. And then maybe that's one philosophy that, but again, that's part of our journey and that's part of how, how we've developed to move away from that kind of philosophy of, you know, make it perfect <laughs> before you release it. Um, but it was the first one. And I remember Leo had an idea for a second, like a part two. And I tell this story a lot where it's still in our Google that. drive. It's still in the Google drive. Great G4T part two. And then there's like, I forget the actual modules that were mapped but folk, like we'll never create that because we just know it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be created, like it, or it's not a priority or something, right? But I remember that first course took us a very very long time. We learned our lesson, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just looking for more information about about that about that course. I was just looking for it here, and uh, we released that course in twenty twenty one. Oh, there you go. 2021 there you go yeah wow. That, oh wow okay then so we worked Holy on it through cow. 2020 okay yeah yeah i think 2020 we i think we work we worked on it i yeah i think we worked on it in 2020 and even with that would you say we had a niche for that no 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 chance no chance no chance, no chance. I, think so. it's, I think it's okay to build things for your business that you like but it should also be a need, you know? And I think it's a really good course, but I don't think, at least just my perception, I don't think we were thinking about the user experience. I think we were thinking about, oh, this, we love this. Just so you know, grammar for advanced grammar for teachers still is still marked as incomplete here on my, <laughs> on, on my folder here. Cause we have part two. We have part two here. Yeah. There are five more modules in part two, but we never really, Created part, that part, part, two. part three is death of an English teacher. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, yeah, we have a wait list. January 7th, Andrew. I found it. Oh, yeah. We actually, no, we had actually pretty, we had a lot of people. We made a, we had a waiting list of almost 50 people here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But about, let me see, two, four, six. We sold about 17 copies when the flash sale, the flash sale happened flash January sale. 6, 2021. Yeah. We sold it to six people. And then we sold a few hey. more, a few more after that. Not bad for there's a lesson in that. 18 months worth I mean, of work. <laughs> 18 months worth of 18 months worth of work for six people. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. But that's how you learn. That's I you mean, learn. yeah. No one puts their failures on social media these days. No one's authentic in that way. No mm. one puts their bad days or, or those kinds of things, right? Mm-hmm. And we hear, I mean, when we, we, I mean, we all started a business, we remember you know, how you feel when you're having your first product and you put it off and you're not sure about it. Will people like it? Will people not like it? I mean, probably, it's probably pretty likely that people will not like it mm-hmm. at first. I think that was, the, just, approach with the, <laughs> that was the approach with the podcast. I think with the podcast, we, we weren't sure if people would like the podcast, but we started anyway. And I think we did that first episode about growth mindset in January, yes. which is, we're going to actually, I forgot to tell you this. We're celebrating five years of the podcast in January. So we need to finalize the plans for that. But okay. I remember the podcast was just a way for us to get our ideas out there. And I feel like we always, we all had some really important things that we wanted to say. And I remember us thinking about, how much we wanted to just have these conversations and and make sure that research 
became more accessible and more practical for language teachers. So we didn't have that problem with the podcast. We just we just shipped it. And I think it took us a little bit of time for the podcast to take off as well. It didn't happen overnight. God, no. Yeah. God, no. At least two years. Yeah, I think the podcast really took off when we got a, a, an invitation from someone at a university here in Canada mm-hmm. who said, we want to do a partnership with you and we want to release podcasts on a series on corrective feedback with... Mm-hmm. Eva Kajava. Eva Kajava, yes. Yeah. The University yeah. of Ottawa, Carleton. Carleton. Carleton, Carleton University, yes. <laughs> Let's get our facts. <laughs> yeah. In Car- at Carleton, yeah. Who yeah. we met at the TBLT conference exactly. prior to that. So a little bit of putting yourself out there as well. Mm-hmm. A business is a slow, it's a slow process, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a, a get, you know, really quick thing that's going to happen. It's So I think, Leo, I agree with that. I think that's really important to have the mindset of, start to put things out there and it will take its time or it won't and just being okay with the results. And if you're doing it, if you're authentic to yourself in, in that way where you feel good about what you're doing, you know, over time, <laughs> that's going back to that niche discussion. That's where we say creating your own niche because the right people will find you if you're putting those things out in your own little, little corner, right? For us, I don't think we set out to find those people. We just... When Leo, you started really doing the Instagram, we, we realized that there were lots of people, not just in Canada, but around the world that really also were interested in how languages are learned in the research mm-hmm. of it and how to apply those in classroom contexts where it might not be usually very easy because we have to use this kind of book and this and that and this and that. And, and that we would never have sat down and decided and put our finger on that's the niche. That would never have happened. It just organically kind of presented itself. And I think going back to what you said about having prospects or communicating with your audience, your niche in one place, I think over time, what we actually developed was that one destination, right? So it's not just that you're looking for your clients in one place, but you're directing them to the one focus that you have, your offer. And I think that's something that we, that's a messaging point, but I think it's really something that's taken us to the next level. So yes, we communicate with our people. Now we communicate with them in our community, our TSN community. If you're not a member, please join. Um, but the clear direction is is for them to thrive in that community and then eventually uh, join TAP. And we have that clear path now. Um, when we had G4T, we didn't because there was no destination, right? It mm-hmm. was just, here's mm-hmm. a product, consume it, now what? So, so that's very important. Um, as Andrew said, you want to identify that that space, that environment where you're communicating with them, but you need to know where you're directing them. And 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 all roads should point to Rome. And for you, that could be your your one-to-one course, it could be your group course, it could be whatever, but it, everything needs to be focused on that one program. Otherwise, your audience will get confused and uh you you won't close. Like you you won't be able to to build that thing, that fun thing that Leo was talking about because you'll have your audience going in multiple directions. So I, I, when you said the, the one place, I thought, yeah, yeah, I think that's, again, on both ends, the place, but also the destination has to be crystal clear. Yeah. Nice. I like that. There's, there's no one way to do it. I, I'm a fan of building backwards. So building what you think Absolutely. is your, yeah. your yeah. main transform, not building, but like idealizing what your main yeah. transformation is. And then working backwards to building smaller, shorter, maybe cheaper, maybe more asynchronous products later, yeah. as opposed to the opposite. Because like you said, Mike, all roads, roads should lead to Rome. And if you don't know where Rome is or how to get there or what the first step of getting to Rome is, it's hard to have the asynchronicity, a word, I'm going to use it, <laughs> in, yeah. in that process, right? Where, for example, if what you do is you help People communicate better in meetings, in international settings, right? Okay, fine. So you have a a major transformation that they work with you one-to-one or whatever, but then you can think about building out lower tiers. Like, what's the first step of that? What's one thing that they would Mm -hmm. need to do? And that can become something cheaper or a lead magnet or something. But if you're doing it the opposite, it it seems a bit more inauthentic, right? Because just trying to get, thinking of something that would get clicks or emails or a little bit of money, which is kind of what we did for G4T, I think. Right. But if you start from the back of like, or the end rather, and then the work back to the front, exactly, start yeah. from Rome, yeah. and then build the roads right. outwards, yeah. right? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah. What, based on, as we kind of wrap up here, what, based on our experience, then going back to the beginning with maybe people who are listening and the most frequent question we get, I think, about how to do this is how do I choose a niche? Based on the last five years of us doing this, how would you answer that question? I'm going to say create one. Create your niche. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Find out, you know, find out what it is that you love to teach, that you're passionate about, that you feel that you can add genuine Mm -hmm. value, authentic value. Um, Do your research, you know, see, see, see if that group is out there in the world. Um, how do you do that? You do that through reaching out, right? You do that through building a, a network of, of followers, perhaps, or even just reaching out to, to people you're currently working with and seeing if, if, if what you have in mind speaks to them or someone they might know. Yeah. Um, and if it does, then you start with that small group. And I think we, we talked about this ages ago. It might not even have been in coached within business. But um, it might have been coached within dating, actually. But there's someone out there in the world that's looking for someone just like you, right? And I think your business should be, that should be your mindset for your business as well, right? Like, mm-hmm. if there's if there's something that you know is important that you feel um, people need help with, and you know that you can help them with it, then yeah. I feel that you could create that niche. Um, yeah. It then becomes a messaging thing and a, a marketing thing. Um, but I think that's, yeah, I think you can always create your own niche. I agree. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I love it. Creating and, and then just putting your own spin on it and right. doing something different. I think don't be scared to be different, you know, applying what your skill set is in a context where it might not be obvious that it's needed, I think is a, a key mm. consideration, you know, obvious people who if we're talking about english people for whom it's not their first language and they have a job where they need to speak in english nothing wrong with that but it's pretty obvious right what's a non-obvious situation you know something a little off the board right something where maybe it's military and they go around or maybe something where it's something completely where you wouldn't think languages would be a key component but you realize when talking to people actually I have trouble understanding these people or actually, you know, trying to think of where your skill set might apply in non-traditional settings. Uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day where this guy who helped his, his expertise is in social media management, right? Very in demand. But he was contracted as a consultant for a company that I don't remember, but the the entire executive board was over the age of 65 (laughs) didn't even have smartphones so they hired him paid him millions of dollars to run their social media because they had no idea how so smart taking a conventional skill set like teaching a language and applying it in a non-obvious or non-conventional setting it's just finding a match together right the obvious is there's many obvious ones test prep and those are all great but what's a non-obvious one give it some thought and just as you wander around the world observe you know there's a market there's a market for everyone i really i really i really believe this and if there is a market for everyone then you just have to get out there talk to people and i think that's i think the most important thing for me has been talking to people and i think social media specifically with instagram has provided me with the opportunity to actually talk to our audience to to know exactly what they like about our work what they don't like what they want to see more of so i think apart from choosing your niche and as you said andrew um you know, understanding that there's an opportunity for everyone out there. I think you just have to 
I think you just have to be authentic. Try to find, I think when it comes to, to choosing or creating your niche, you also have to choose a group of people that you genuinely, so we're talking about authenticity here, a group of people that you genuinely want to work with. Yes. You don't want Most to important. choose, you don't want to choose a niche just because it's profitable, but you don't want to work with those people. Right. So that's the fun side of it. Yeah. Yeah. You need that. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm helping, I don't know. I'm helping accountants, but I don't like accounting. I don't like accountants and they're not my kind of people nothing against accountants by the way my father's an accountant I, have a, I come from a family of accountants but yeah it just it doesn't i think make... if you're thinking that hard about it you're thinking too hard yeah honestly right. like it should be right in front of you it should be just think about the interactions you have on a daily basis you know we live in an age of inter intercultural interactions there are so many like i was talking to someone the other day who was like i don't know leo leo do, you, do your parents speak english my mom does. My dad doesn't. Okay. So I was talking to this other person who was like, not complaining, just like talking about how her in-laws, she can never talk with her in-laws because she married someone who's, who speaks English, but it's not their first language. And then her, the, his parents don't speak English. So yeah. they can never, that's a problem that needs to be solved. Yeah. And guess what? These days, you know how many situations there would be like that? Like a million, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And just so just observe around you, you know, there's there's that would be a non-obvious application of yeah. a language problem, right? Yeah. Yeah, observation's key. I agree. I help in-laws learn. <laughs> right? No, <laughs> develop so deeper, they can. develop yeah. Yeah, develop be better relationship with yeah. their in-laws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spouses, I help spouses yeah. with yeah. develop their English. So as you said, there's definitely a market out there for everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, mm -hmm. You just have to be willing to engage. You have to engage with people. You have to talk to people. You have to get in front of people. And that's that's. I think that's what most teachers don't realize that they have to be doing if they want to start their teaching business. They are in front of a lot of people, but there's and they don't realize that they are doing this all the time. Don't think about it. Just observe. It's in front of you somewhere, I promise. If you're teaching in an institution, there's 20 students in your class. There's something there. Pay attention. Yeah. Ask. You can always ask them. Andrew, <laughs> you always talk about that. Just ask them, you know, what what sort of problems are they having with English? Uh, you'll find that nine times out of 10, as you just pointed out, they're not linguistic. They're often very social things that are not very obvious. They're not on the surface. They're beneath the surface. Like, who's going to admit that they they... It's it's it might be it, it's less likely I should say for someone to probably come out and just blurt out that they're that they're unable to communicate very well with their their in laws right like sometimes you do have to just ask like Leo said talk yeah you got to listen you got to watch you got to ask yeah and take chances I, mm. I I mean I think abstractly sometimes and I always think about niches when I see other examples in other mediums and in other industries and as we wrap up here. Have you guys seen, this is, this is quite an old video on YouTube. It says it's from seven years ago. But have you seen the video of when Pharrell Williams does like a masterclass with NYU in their like media music production class? Have you seen this? Have you heard no. of this? No. If you, I'll, I'll try to remember to link it in the show notes. But if you're listening, just go on YouTube and type in masterclass Pharrell Williams, Maggie Rogers. And it's from seven years ago. It's got three million views. <laughs> And basically, Maggie Rogers was a student at NYU in their music production program. And Pharrell Williams was invited to come in and audit and kind of give, listen to their tracks and, and give some feedback. And he was like blown away with what she produced. And she basically fused folk music mm. with electronic dance music in a way that sounds like two opposite ideas that don't go together. But if you listen to it and her voice in it and how she synced it, it's beautiful. Like it's really, really good. And his feedback at the end is basically, I have no notes for you. And this is why, because you are authentic to yourself. And when you were authentic to yourself, you created something that I've never heard before. That does not exist, at least in my world. Mm -hmm. And he loved it. And I just thought, oh my God. Yeah. She just did it because she thought it was cool. But she created a whole new yeah. at that time. I think artists do that very mm -hmm. well. 
artists mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. that really well. They're able to merge two different genres and create their own subgenre, which is exactly the same thing that you're doing with with teaching. I think people point, just yeah. over I think we just overthink this. Like researchers, they have their own niche. You can't research everything. So they have to choose one or two things to research. <laughs> it's the same thing with teach. You can't teach everyone. You have to teach and choose a very specific group of people with very specific problems that you can actually help them solve. And as you say, Andrew, the problem is never linguistic. Rarely. It's barely linguistic. That's the tool. That's the that's the means. That's the yeah. means, right? The but the the end point, the destination is often not linguistic. It's very something very emotional, very personal to each individual. And yeah. if you're only pitching linguistic solutions, that's usually why you get the it's expensive objection, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you're pitching the personal solution, yeah, changes everything. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, happy holidays, happy new year. This is uh, our last episode of 2023. I hope that was authentic. We tried our best. Yeah. And uh, guys, five years of doing this with you. It's been uh, a pleasure. And I hope we do another at least another five years. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Um, as, as Andrew said, we're, we're celebrating five years in January. So what I was thinking that we could do for our January celebration is we could just collect maybe messages in the, from, from people who listen to oh, the podcast. Oh, that would be great. we can just sprinkle those messages in the episode. Because I think in January, we already have our episode for January. Unless we want to do like a, a, a We can do a special issue, special episode anniversary, yeah. maybe. Yeah. 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 But I like that idea of, of, of uh, incorporating some feedback or, or thoughts yeah. from the audience. That's a great idea. I love it. That's the other thing about having your own business. You can, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that let's do that. Yeah. So get a niche, but also don't overthink it because you can change your mind anytime. So there's no risk. Just do it. And believe in yourself. Just have some belief. Yeah. yeah. Cool, guys. All right. Well, happy holidays and uh, see you in the next one. You've been listening to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Ready to take control of your education? You're in the right place. Teaching, professional development, learning. Expand your world with Learn Your English.